he wouldn't be overwhelmed or um, get too stressed out of any kind of obstacles that could come his way, that, that God, that you would remind him each and every day that you're with him and that you love him and that you are thankful for what he's doing in this community. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, and I was told I'm supposed to take it as a compliment that you guys are here after Thanksgiving, um, but i am also been warned that turkey has a negative effect on a lot of people, so if you're sleeping during the service, I won't call you out unless you start snoring. Jim, I'm watching you, so. Um, but anyway, um, you know, all of us uh, just had the wonderful opportunity to have Thanksgiving and spend a lot of time with family. And, you know, maybe that visit didn't go as well as you wanted it to. Maybe there was um, people missing or, or maybe there was arguments or, or maybe there was just life happening. And whether you had a, um, a great experience or a negative one, um, I hope this message here this morning that I think ties in um, to a lot of that, just really reminds you of God's working in any situation. Um, but again, um, my name is Todd Billman. I'm one of the elders here at Metro North Church, and I'm just so glad that I have the opportunity to share with you some of God's Word. So if you would, um, turn to um, Luke chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 5, and if you're able... Uh, please stand. It's our tradition uh, to stand for the reading of God's word. If not, no worries. And um, again, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5. We're going to read all the way through 25. So buckle up. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he and his wife, from the daughters of Aaron, and her name... Excuse me. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice in his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? 
for I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in her years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring to you the good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father God, I just would ask that you would open the ears of those that are here and the hearts. God, may I speak only the words that you wish to hear. And may we all be transformed by the reading and the teaching of your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Like all good um, students, um, I always procrastinate to the last minute to um, whether it's studying or, or preparing a sermon. Um, there's something like uh, adrenaline that shifts into your body that goes, you know, it'd be looking really awkward if you just stood up there for 30 minutes and stared at everybody. Um, but as I was thinking about this over the past couple weeks about um, what I'd like to share how I might apply this story to my own life. I thought about some funny stories I could tell, and um, then I realized that it was probably appropriate that I share um, a more personal story. And um, for me, I read this story multiple times, and I just, it, I just thought, well, you know, how does this, how can I relate to this story? And eventually, my brain just said, um, you know, you and Kelly um, went through a lot of struggles yourself of having to have a child. And we got married in 2003. And we, you know, probably about a year later or so, um, began trying to have a, a child. And we didn't have our first child until 2008. And honestly, it got to the point in our lives, and I know that's not a super long time, but the point in our lives where, where we thought maybe there was something wrong with us. We thought maybe God didn't want us to have children. We thought maybe, um, you know, maybe God wanted us to adopt. You know, we, you know, we were just kind of at our wit's end, and obviously it affected my wife even more. And I can remember us um, cannot spending time one night together and really just praying this prayer of God, I don't get it. I know I'm not probably going to get it of why this is happening to us, but I just have to be, we just have to be okay with whatever your will is. And it wasn't too much longer um, that Kelly got pregnant again and our son Jonathan was born and 
um, that whole time, you know, we were still nervous because of um, how many miscarriages we had. And, um, you know, it probably wasn't up until the day he was born, taken by C-section, that, um, and I don't like blood at all, and I get real antsy about that kind of stuff, but I was, I was in there. I was ready. <laughs> I wanted to see him come out. And um, I didn't get, you know, my wife's like, he's going to pass out. He's gonna, and I was like, I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. This is my son. I'm going to stay awake for this, all right? I'll pass out later. Um, and, uh, yeah, those of you who know, I can't even give blood without freaking out. But I was, I was right there um, for my son's birth. And it probably wasn't until he came out and the doctor said, you know, he's, he's good, that we felt some sense of relief. And we had realized we had, you know, God had answered our prayers. And, and God's plan the whole time was this, and we don't understand a lot of that, um, and it was really difficult for us, um, but that's just a small little snippet of what Zechariah and Elizabeth had gone through. You know, the, the feelings um, of just, I don't know how to work this thing. The feelings of just failure or thinking you must have done something wrong or just not being good enough um, were so overwhelming. Um, but that moment when I saw my son for the first time, I realized I had a new problem. I was a father now. And I suddenly realized how ill-equipped I was to take care of myself, let alone my family. But I was thankful to God for allowing us to have our son. <clears throat> I also realized the power of prayer and how people had been praying for us all along and how important it is to trust in God's timing. I'm not saying I do that all the time, because <laughs> I don't. But it was a turning point in my life that I realized God literally has it under control. And it's the lesson that I continue to have to learn over and over again that Todd doesn't have to worry about or stress out about those things but because God's got it. And so let's take a closer look at Zachariah and Elizabeth's story and, and you see something that um, from the very beginning... He was serving his priestly duties. And what does it say about Zechariah and Elizabeth in verse 6? It says, And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statues of the Lord. But there was a problem. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. So the story's reminding us here that even though Zechariah and Elizabeth were faithful to God, God's plan will still have challenges. And that's my, that's my first point. God's plan will still have challenges. There was something when I became a Christian at the age of 15 that I fell into the trap that now my life was going to be perfect, was going to be easy because God was on my side and no one could stand against me. You know, you got all those Bible verses that life is going to be good. And Zechariah and Elizabeth were faithful, even though they knew that God's plan would have some challenges. 
We can't allow ourselves to be deceived into thinking that nothing bad should ever happen to those who follow God. I'm sure that Zechariah and Elizabeth had faced multiple challenges in their life. But God was quick to point out they still exhibited godly characteristics. You know, maybe you're not in that phase of your life where you're having children. But let me ask you, when you're faced with a challenge, what do you do? Are you quick to cry out and to complain and to just get overwhelmed to think, God, why are you doing this to me? Or do you do what we all should do, is go to the Lord in prayer and tell him what you want. We may not have all the answers as to why bad things happened. We don't know exactly why Zechariah and Elizabeth were barren for so long and then God allowed them to have children other than to maybe show the miraculous power of God. And some things might not be as evident to us in our lives. But we do know that in those challenges, God is with us. God hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't forgotten about us. And that's a hard thing to learn. When Kelly and I were in that kind of dark place, we just felt like maybe God didn't care. Maybe we had offended God. All the irrational things that you might think when something bad happens in your life. And I was so thankful that God finally just through his word and through his people, reminded us that he's there and that he does care about us. And that he hadn't forgotten about us. The godly lives that Zechariah and Elizabeth were living out in this story are a testimony of their understanding that God can use them. Because in that culture, in that time period, to be barren, everybody was thinking, what did you do? to deserve that kind of God's wrath. What was wrong with you? It was a big deal. You know, even in today's culture, people think there's something wrong if you're not able to have kids. They might not be more nice about it, right? But even in this culture, where they were kind of probably looked down upon, Zachariah was serving faithfully, and so was Elizabeth. God can use us even if life doesn't work out the way we think it should. I'm sure that if, Zach, if it were up to Zachariah and Elizabeth, that wouldn't have been their story up until that point. They, that wouldn't have been their burden that they would have chosen. They wouldn't want to have gone through the embarrassment. They wouldn't have chosen the trials that they faced. But we must understand that God's plan will have challenges. But how we react to those challenges is what matters. That's what our faith really boils down to. Our faith can only be tested when things are challenging because when things are going well, it's easy to follow God. But when you're facing difficulties, that's real hard. But now let's, let's look a little bit more at this divine encounter and we'll see that God's plan never fails. I'll be honest with you, if I was in Zechariah and Elizabeth's situation, I would have thought, I'm not having kids. I thought it was kind of interesting here. Um, see if I can get here. We'll get to that in a second. But they're, they're quite old, and they had to think, well, this is not the plan. God's plan for me is not to have children. God's plan is for me not to do this because I'm old or 
I can't pass this class or this door's closed or I can't find this job. God's plan for me must be to do something else. But we need to be reminded that God's plan never fails. That he doesn't make mistakes. That everything happens for a reason. And we need to trust that. Let's not gloss over the fact. Here's what's so, what's so crazy about this experience that Zechariah is having. And I'll, and I'll read it again here, starting in verse 8. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So I'm not real smart. I know what a lot is. I, I looked that up. Um, it's not a name in the Bible. Well, it is a name in the Bible, but in this case, it's a, it's a way that they used to choose somebody. And there's different ways that they may have done that by kind of the straw, or they've talked about um, rocks or different things like that. But what's amazing here in this story is, imagine, imagine, okay, I'm going to get a little personal here. This might upset some people here. Okay, Kelly and I have been going to this church since 1996. We have never lit the Advent wreath. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. I'm a leader in the church, right? Never lit the Advent wreath. Okay? Imagine if this was John. You know, John's not here, so I can speak out. He'll, he'll hear it later, and he'll know. So, um, But imagine going here, 1996, 2006, 2016, 17, 18, 23 years. Never got this privilege of doing this. Nate's probably done it 10 times. I'm not sure why I wasn't chosen, but I wasn't, right? Imagine if it was drawn by lot, and for 23 years it never happened, right? Imagine this was a mega church, and through all the times, the likelihood of me ever being chosen would be next to nothing. That's kind of what was happening here in this situation with Zechariah, with his duties. To burn the incense was a big deal in the priesthood. There was a lot of priests, and it didn't always happen that when they were on duty that you would get selected to do this. So this was a big deal that this happened. And says, and the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. They knew it was a big deal too, and they were praying as well. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Now I scoured all kinds of commentaries because I thought it was really weird that they said an angel of the Lord was standing at the right side. Like, that was an important, Luke wanted you to know, that was an important fact in this book here. Um, I've read commentaries about standing at the right side of the throne, you know, on the throne and different things like that. But I just thought it was an interesting detail, but I wanted to know he was at the right side. So I don't know exactly if he was standing farther away or whatever, but he was standing at the right side of this here. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. I immediately judged Zechariah when I saw this. I thought, what a loser cowering in fear. It's not very manly. But then I realized I probably would have been peeing in the corner too, and it wouldn't have been a good situation for me. I would have been scared just as well. And so I quickly stopped judging him as I was reading this. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw it, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. I don't get this, but all the time when angels come, people get scared. And it's like, don't, don't be afraid. That's like when a dog's barking and they say, oh, he's just a gentle dog. He'll be fine. I'm not getting near that dog when it's barking at me. But these people, whenever they encounter, the angel immediately has to go, don't be afraid. So this is an imposing figure. This is something that people automatically fear. So you're getting this picture of this angel standing here. 
And he says this, which is very interesting. For your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And so I'll be honest, when I read that again, I immediately judged Zechariah. How selfish was he? That he could be praying, you know, any other time, right? But he's in the temple of the Lord, and he's praying for what? His needs is what I thought. But after you looked at it, he probably had long forgotten about that prayer. He probably had long forgotten about that prayer. And the angel was probably bringing that up right there for him, saying, you know, the prayers that you have done, they've been heard. And, and so here you go and says, and, you will have, and he will bring joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. He will be special from the very beginning. The angel appears, and he's standing there, and the angel finally calms Zechariah down by telling him not to be afraid. Basically, you got what you've been asking for all this time. You're going to have a baby. If that's not enough, he will be responsible for turning many people to the Lord. And so, verse 16, And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in spirit and power of Elijah to turn their hearts to the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? Once again, my judgment creeped right in. What are you thinking? You know, how, do you, how do you not know this? Is it, do, you, do you just see angels all the time? You know, like, how shall I know this? But, you know, let's all be honest. We, we've all doubted when God's put things slap right in our face. How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advancing his years. I'm really glad that he was very PC in this. He's like, I'm an old dude. My wife's, you know, she's advanced her years. I guess that was the PC way of saying she's old as well, but it was the nicer way of putting that. And the angel answered him, I'm Gabriel. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Basically, the opposite of what I used to say, I used to say, me and God are like this, and I'm way over here. So the angel Gabriel, it's like, they're this. I stand in the presence of God. Me and him, we're close. So when I say something, it's going to happen. And so... I am, a, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, now you'll be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple, because it wasn't normal you know, like, it was a tradition. This is what happened when they did the incense. They kind of had a, not a time limit, but this is how long it takes to light everything. This is how long the prayers come. And all of a sudden, where's Zechariah? He's not out. So they know something's up. I mean, they might have worried that he might have died in there. They didn't know what happened. Maybe he fell asleep. That would have been bad. You like, one job to do, light the incense candles, and you fall asleep on the job. There was probably all kinds of rumors going out there. I would have been the one spreading them. Um, 
And so, and so after all of this, and the people are praying for him, and behold, you'll be silent. And then we get to verse 22. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them and realized that he had been, that they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. While, and when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. And so, after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among my people. And if that's where the story ended right there, that'd be a great story. You'd see miracles, you'd see... God's people doing dumb things, and you see angels, and you see all these kind of things. And if that's where the story, if that's where God's plan ended right there, that'd still be a really cool story. But it wasn't just about God sending the angel Gabriel to answer the prayer of you're going to have a child. No, what, talk, what I want to express about here in my third point, the most, if you get any of these points, it's this one. This shows us that God's plan will always be better than anything we could ever imagine. Because in this, they got their prayers answered, but he says, I'm going to do one better. As incredible as this story is, it's even better because of who this child, who this child will become. A humble man who served much like his father, lived such a righteous life, this child would become known as John the Baptist. And he would devote his life to telling people about the Messiah. He would become a man filled with faith who pointed others towards Christ. Probably the first modern evangelist. And so, as I look back at the miracle and the prayers that God answered in our lives, in Kelly and I's lives, where I had a son that happened to be named Jonathan, wasn't a spiritual decision. That was my middle name, was Jonathan. But I look to see what is it that God might do in my child's life? What is it that God might do in y'all's lives? And it helped me to realize that God's plan's better than whatever Todd could manipulate or put into effect or, or do, that God's plan is better than all of it. And so I'm here to tell you, I think God wants me to tell you, if you have a child that, that you just go, I, don't, I just don't know. I just don't know. Don't worry, God's got this, and don't stop praying for them. If you've got a situation where you just feel like this is in God's hands, you're right, it is. And let it be there, because who better to take care of that than God? So, so if you needed to hear that this morning, that comes straight from God. Um, as we look back at this story, I want to ask you, what lies are you believing? Right, because... Often we, we look at this and we say we're never supposed to face any challenges. That sometimes God's plans just don't work out. That I can do it better. Do you think your life should be perfect? Do you think it should be easy? Do you feel hopeless that somehow God has abandoned you or ignored your prayers? Do you think that your way is always best? I'm here to tell you for the first time, or maybe for the hundredth time that you have a Savior who loves you and cares about you, and yet while you didn't care about him, he died for you. 
And that's what John the Baptist was born. That was his destiny from the very beginning, was to tell people about the Messiah, to tell people about Jesus. And so he laid his life down and paid for your sins, and he showed power over death by being raised from the dead. And, and I want to remind you that if you place your faith in Christ, that you'll really, really get to see what God can do in your life. I, I really believe most of our challenges that we face are things that we've done to ourselves, situations that we've put in, sins that we've gone down, or ways that we've tried to handle things on our own. But if we could just trust in God's plan and God's timing, how much better would our lives be? And so this morning, I really want to challenge you to look at your life and say, where can I let go of this situation and trust that God's got it under control? For me, the list is quite long. Let's pray. Father God, I'm so thankful that I got to share your word here this morning. And I, my prayer is that, that people here this morning would be challenged to go to you. That people would be um, convicted that your plan is way better than anything we could ever imagine. And my hope is that, out, is that if our church could live like that, I know that we could make an impact for God's kingdom in such a way that only you could get the glory, God. God, we love you and we thank you for what your son did for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God's plan is better than we could imagine. It doesn't fail. But at the same time, his plan still presents challenges. Honestly, it's hard to believe. I mean, it's hard for me to believe. And, uh, you know, the disciples, when Jesus, on his last night, took them up into the room, the upper room where they had what we now know as the Lord's Supper, uh, he was talking to them and he was telling them that he was going away. And here are a bunch of shepherds and fishermen and tax collectors and, and people who were like, whoa, 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 whoa. We left everything to come follow you and now you're telling us you're going to go away? We thought we were with you. This was our security. And, and he said, well, it's actually better that I'm going away because I'm going to send the helper or the comforter. And he, then he says, my peace I give to you my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives do I give to you. How does the world give? Based on our merit. But Christ gives utterly by his own grace. And he went on to, to present the Lord's Supper and, and where he gave them a physical image of how that they could remember something to touch and taste and feel to encourage them, to help them in belief. Do you know what God's word? God's word 
and the Holy Spirit together, what, what do they do? They bring eternal life into our hearts. And, and, and God's Word and the Holy Spirit connecting um, work our sanctification. Help us to follow Christ and believe in Him each day and to live out of His promises. And do you know what uh, the body, I mean the, the blood and the bread, or the, the wine and the bread they represent? His physical body and blood given to us. They are God's Word in physical form. And so, um, here we are taking part in a way that will help us to believe his plan is so far greater than we could imagine, but it doesn't necessarily feel like that on a Monday morning or maybe even a Saturday afternoon after relatives have left. This is a table for nourishment for Christians. And uh, if you are not a follower of Jesus, we would ask that you would abstain from participating. Uh, and, and actually, what they've done is they've made a list of, of, of prayers. Would you take the time, if, you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, to maybe look through these prayers and pray them? Um, now, so Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, um, he took the body, um, the bread, and the wine, and he uh, gave thanks to God and set them apart by prayer. So let's go ahead and do that. Holy Spirit, would you take these common elements, your word in physical form, and work your grace in our hearts to encourage us this week in the truth of your unimaginable plan that never fails. Amen.